good morning or whatever time of day it is for you. Welcome to Real World Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler. I'm here with Scott and Bobby, uh, who are a millennial and a boomer, uh, respectively, that talk about real world issues and uh, help bridge the gap between boomers and millennials. So, uh, hey guys, how's it going? Hey, good morning. Hey. How are you? Good I'm, morning. I'm doing great. Bobby brought coffee again for us. I did. And so it's a wonderful morning. <laughs> Hey, so, you know, I just, do you love the music that starts this podcast? I just love it. I, it kind of has a 60s vibe to me. Oh, yeah, that you guitar. The- it, yeah, it just kind of does, and it it kind of takes me back to just a simpler time. You know, I, I was born at the beginning of the 60s. and Oh, dang, dating yourself. I am. 1961 oh, right. was a good year. That's right, I'm a boomer, so you know it's going to end at some time by 64. So, um, in any regard, I just, when I hear that music, it, I don't know. It kind of just takes me back and it, it kind of lightens the, the moment in light of the COVID-19 situation that we're in and, it, and it's helpful. And then it, it makes me think about, you know, um, as I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, you know, we've, um, we're buying a new home, we're building a new home and we actually went to visit it yesterday and the foundation is poured, oh. which is very exciting to kind of see the real footprint you know, with yeah, with the, yeah. with the lot and and everything, so it's exciting, but it's it's kind of um, bittersweet, or mm. um, it, it's hard to be excited when people are suffering so right now. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's I almost feel guilty to be excited about that, but we cannot lose sight of. We can't always, you know, be down about this. We have to look at some positive things because, again, that's who we are. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's important that we put things into perspective and do whatever we can to help others. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't dwell, you know, 24 seven on COVID-19 yeah. because I think it'll make us all batty, yeah. you know? And, um, as I was saying in the last podcast, I really try to refrain from watching too much news about it. I stay on top of it every day. Look at the stats, um, do my due diligence when I do have to leave the home, which is almost every day um, with working outside the home in an essential. Are um, you wearing a mask when you do it? In, you know what? Um, Dad and I did yesterday. That was our first day of wearing a mask. We went into, well, we went to visit the home site and we wore the mask and then uh, and it was just us though, you know, uh, well, there were construction workers there, but my goodness, they're, we're way par- further than six feet apart. Um, but then we stopped at Costco on the way home and we had our masks on. And most, I would say most people had their masks on. Nice. The state of California had um, recommended it and so mm-hmm. is the CDC. So it's not um, a law yet. It's not it a law. It is recommended. It is. From both the state and CDC. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. At least at the point of filming, it might be a law by the time this airs. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just kind of feel. Wait, I don't we're know, filming? Or recording. <laughs> I just have some. Yeah, if you don't follow our this. video podcast. That's <laughs> so anyway, bottom line to wrap it up, I just have some, you know, ambivalence with regard to the whole thing because, mm. I mean, it's it's exciting and it, it helps. It takes me away when I think about it and can like plan. I mean, it's still going to be like four months before we move in, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a while. Um, so we should be through most of this COVID stuff by then, certainly. Um, Maybe. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. We don't know, though. That's the thing. We don't know. We really don't. Because I know looking at numbers in Asia, uh, a lot of the countries are actually having second bouts now. I've heard that. Yes. I've heard that. Because numbers did go down. People got more comfortable with going out. And then it started transmitting again. And so now they're gone, getting back to like the full lockdowns and stuff again. Right. And right. I, I think it just bears repeating that uh, I know it's inconvenient that we are, you know, sheltering in place and that uh, normal life functions are kind of suspended right now, a lot of them anyway. Uh, I know it's inconvenient, but it's important for us to take this seriously now so that this doesn't drag on for six months. Right. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree. If if we continue to ignore all these recommendations, it will it could last to the end of the year. Certainly. You know, the interesting thing is when I talked to the salesperson yesterday, when Dave, um, Dave and I talked to the salesperson, they closed ten homes last week. Wow. They, they're still, they have appointments yeah. on the hour throughout. See, now they do it by appointment only to see sure. the models. 
Um, it's just interesting that the real estate market really hasn't stopped. My yeah. dad's house is officially on the market now. It's not mm. on MLS because uh, because of his age. We, they don't want people just walking through there. And yeah. so um, we're, we're trying to approach this in a different way. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is, is that, you know, homes are still selling. You have to live somewhere. So in life still continues to go on. Um, in spite of this. And I guess that's kind of my overriding point is like when you look at the differences between the sixties and it, you know, it takes me back listening to that music, but um, you know, we, we still tomorrow will be here. I mean, we, we still have to do what we can yeah. to um, get through this, but um, life does go on mm-hmm. and we need to prepare for that. Uh, well, for me, it's been an interesting last few weeks. Um, I know we recorded this in a, another episode. I just don't remember if this episode is aired or not. We might have it might have been an episode we recorded and postponed till after this because of all the COVID stuff. Um, but I actually got a new position at Sandals, um, and uh, the new position doesn't require me to work on Sundays. And so these last few weeks have been uh, the first time in eight years that I haven't been working on a Sunday, uh, but just been like sitting and experiencing service. And while it's been at home, it hasn't been (laughs) at church. Um, it's been a really cool time. Like I've, um, I've been helping also support a lot of our midweek stuff, uh, with our, uh, sandalschurch.tv and, um, the worship night we had a couple weeks ago was like, super cool and i've i think i've felt the spirit like move more and um it's been a more like engaging um personally for me over the last few weeks than i've experienced in a long time it's been it's been really cool for me that's awesome well you know we were talking about this last night in community group how you know this whole thing i mean the lord's got our attention yeah right if nothing else if if this is to draw us closer to him this is what he does, right? I mean, this that could be why this is happening. Yeah. Is that we've just fallen away too yeah. far into our own lives. Yeah. And um, we have to recognize our need for him. Well, I, I'll say that, you know, uh, there's there's always a silver lining to every cloud. And I in my perspective, I think that the greatest silver lining uh, for Americans in this is it is giving so much uh, so many people a much better uh, realization of where their focus has been. Uh, now that their kids are home with them all week and they're spending time with them and they're working from home or, you know, uh, whatever that situation looks like for people, um, you know, uh, being able to, uh, you know, be neighborly and, you know, interact with people and say hello and wave uh my neighbors wave so much more to me now <laughs> than uh, and i wave it's like to my oh neighbors a person more. yeah <laughs> yeah but uh but i think that it's it's um uh, a huge uh hard reset and reboot on uh the american way of life mm-hmm. and therefore i think just you know kind of realigning priorities and i think in some in so many ways realigning priorities for the better i agree i was i was watching um something yesterday and it was a clip um it was probably on the news but it was a a video clip and it was about this um woman who had a she was a professional and she's now working from home and she's taking a look at her wardrobe and she's got all these, you know, beautiful shoes, you know, mm. they're five inches, five inch heels. And she's looking at this like glamorous kind of wardrobe. And she's like, she's like, I just want to throw it all away. I mean, this is just so much better what I'm dealing with now. And I think about like all the pomp and circumstance. And again, I'm not saying that it should all go away, but I'm thinking it's going to change. I, I, I really think that, like you said, I agree with you, Tyler, that, you know, reevaluating priorities and, um, of course, to me, my family is the most important and, of course, sharing the Lord with others. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at those kinds of things that just aren't important. 
Yeah. I think one of the the greatest things that's going to come out of this time too is a whole new dress style called COVID casual. <laughs> yeah. So we had we had wow. previously we had you know formal <laughs> business attire, business casual, and then casual, and now underneath that we have COVID casual, which is really just like I'm what sorry, you would so sleep funny. in, but yeah. now you feel like you can go out in public. But now you can go out in public in what you sleep in. <laughs> and then there's also uh, oh, this is so funny. COVID semi casual. Oh, okay. Which is sleeping on the bottom, but nicer up top because you're in uh, all the video calls. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Did yeah. you, so did you have you sweatpants wa- and then a button up. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. Did you uh-huh. see the video that I shared on Facebook? Oh, goodness. What's his name that played on The Office? Um, oh, yeah. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so funny. And, and so he's... He, he recently started the show from his house. He did. Yeah. He did. And he called Steve Carell on it. Yep. And, and Steve Carell called him out on that. He goes, I bet that you don't have the rest of your suit on underneath. Because <laughs> you know, he had a suit and tie and mm-hmm. white shirt and everything. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's it's a it's a riot. Like it's 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 a weird world we're living in right now. It really is. But, it's so different. But I think that we can find some real uh some real levity in it. You know what? It's almost like we have the opportunity to reset. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Well, in For sure. in line with that, uh, you know, talking about, you know, sort of a a value shift and a little bit of a reset and a little bit of a return to what was once. Uh, I thought it would be great for us to talk about uh, just, you know, Bible reading. Mm -hmm. Uh, We, uh, you know, a lot of Christians, I think, you know, especially, you know, newer in the faith are, are really, you know, ravenous about reading God's word because it's also new. And so, uh, exciting. And I think a lot of Christians, as time goes on, especially in America with uh, everything in our lives, um, you know, American life is just a distraction factory. And mm-hmm. I think it's easy. Or at for, least it was. It was. <laughs> and I think it's easy for, it, it was easy for us to uh, get distracted from reading God's word. But now that we're in this time, another opportunity that we have is to, uh, you know, have a little bit of a fresh start for all of us when Mm -hmm. it comes to uh, Bible reading. Uh, And so I have, you know, kind of a couple of questions. Uh, Number one, uh, why bother? (laughs) Number two, uh, how can we uh, read the Bible better? Uh, And number three, uh, what, what would we, what should we expect to see come out of that ex- uh, uh, of us reading yeah, the Bible the experience. consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll start with you, Scott. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll I'll, I'll kind of guide us through that. So we'll start with why. Why bother? Um, yeah. Well, one, uh, you have the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we kind of talked about last episode a little bit of um, specifically focusing on our relationship with the Holy Spirit and, and investing in that. And one of the primary ways that we can do that is through reading scripture. Uh, a lot of people, I've had conversations with people who are trying to hear from God. And uh, they'll say, man, I got this thing going on in my life. And I've been praying to God, but I haven't heard anything from him. And I always ask them, have you been reading the Bible? And they almost unanimously say no. <laughs> and then I say, well, that's God's word, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so know that uh god the bible god's word is living and active it still has so much to speak to in all of our day-to-day lives um it has there's no situation that can come up in your life that the bible can't spill truth into and speak to and so uh it is so relevant even thousands of years after it's been written and so i think it's it's a great time for us to as we have time and we want to invest more in that to just learn how to have a better experience with that, how to engage with it better, how to understand it better, and um, really just b- help us understand who God is and, and build that relationship better. So that, that's kind of my why. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's um, along those lines, um, you know, Jesus gave us two commandments, to love him and to love others. And how... I mean, he's given us his word on how to do that. So as we read throughout all of the books of the Bible, there's something in each one. There's a, there's a purpose for each one of those, and there's something that we can get out of each one of those 
um, in reading it. And again, we do need to pray um, for guidance, um, for the filling of the Holy Spirit to, you know, um, guide us and understand what it is that we're reading. You know, Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that, you know, I've been in Bible study for a number of years, and what we've talked about often is how we know we've read this scripture before, but it has a completely different meaning today than it did five mm-hmm. years ago, ten years ago. And um, and that's the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, revealing himself to us. And and so that's why it is so relevant, even though it was written 2,000 years ago. It was inspired by God. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, first of all, we need to believe that and know that. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't written by, in quotes, men. You know, I hear that often to my unbelieving friends. Um, Scott, you might want to. I mean, it, it on was that. it was written by. Yes, me. but you know what I'm saying. But it was inspired, <laughs> it was inspired by, by the God. Holy Spirit. Yes, yeah. right, right. Well, and there's a. Uh, the, I'm I'm going to say something that's going to sound. <laughs> I can already tell when he's like, trying to be nice. You're going to want to argue with it. <laughs> Listen to the Bobby, end. Argue, come on. Listen to the end. Okay. Uh, there's a uh, there's a, a theologian, uh, and I, I mean all theologians. I I think we all we need to take what they say with a grain of salt. Uh, I don't think we should you know believe anything that anyone says about God. We need to line it up with the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a theologian by the name of Karl Barth. And uh, he has this premise uh, that I think is really interesting. It's that the Bible is not the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And we get to have Jesus revealed to us through the, through the scriptures, through the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, for me, why, why read the Bible? Uh, you know, it's that, in every page, the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus to me. Is is sort of, uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to build relationships with people. And the only way that you can really build a relationship with someone is by getting to know them uh, and uh, allowing them to get to know you. Of course, God knows us completely. Uh, but the way, the, the best way that I can get to know God is by reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Scott, what do you have to say about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> did it tempt you the first thing that I said? Did you, the, the first half of the... the did... No, I listened to it. And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I find that interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to discount somebody's perspective like that. In effect, I think there's some validity to that. I mean, you know, um, Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You know, he's the one that the author and creator of it all, mm-hmm. including Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, this yeah. whole thing was, he was, they were all together at the very beginning. Yeah. So they all knew how it was all going to play out, right? Well, and, and it's John 1 that he's really pulling that from. Yeah. That in, in the, the beginning, beginning was, the, was word. the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. And, and the then, Word became flesh. Yep, the yes. Word became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us. And so right. the Word of God is is Jesus. And, and we, right. get to, we get to experience the Word mm-hmm. uh, in Scripture. And we get to... Uh, um, we get to we have the Holy Spirit who can and will and wants to uh, reveal to us so much in Scripture. Uh, the Bible's often referred to, and Scott can maybe talk a little bit more about this. The Bible's often referred to as its revelation, mm-hmm. not just the not just the book revelations, mm-hmm. but but we call it general revelation. Uh, and and at times it's specific mm-hmm. revelation mm-hmm. Uh, or or special revelation, but. Um, it, it's, it's the spirit able to reveal to us who God is mm-hmm. and who we are in light of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I love that. I love that. I think it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like, uh, uncle Carl, um, uncle Carl. <laughs> that's, that's what I call him. All right. That's weird, um, but all right. He I was, refer to most like old funny theologians. That my son knows uncle Carl and I don't know him. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I refer to a lot of like old theologians as uncle oh, okay. in their first name, um, 
But um, are, are you, know, you just ripping off Dead Poet Society that he calls Walt Whitman Uncle Walt? No, I and, did this before I've oh, ever, okay. ever saw that. And I movie. just want you to know that your great great grandfather's name was Carl. Oh, was oh. It? just so you know. Yeah. Was well, that's last grandfather, name? not Carl, or not Uncle? Oh, I know, I yeah. know. But just so you know, your great great was he German? Was Carl. He was. Oh well, was his last name Carl? Bart? No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> his last name was Reed. Carl Reed oh, okay. was Grandma Della's. Um, dad. Like I always talk about, Uncle Dietrich. <laughs> Dietrich. <laughs> offer. Uh huh. Okay. Um, I actually got marked down on a paper in seminary uh, for calling a theologian by their first name. And this is where I got it from was the professors wrote in the notes, he's not your uncle. Don't call him by his first name. <laughs> <laughs> and so ever oh, since sugar. then, I just call them that. He's like, it's like, not your uncle. Don't call him. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really love this topic. Um, it was probably my favorite uh, class in seminary that I ever took. Uh, it's called and Bible 101. Bible 101. No, um, <laughs> it, it's got a, a big long term that doesn't mean a whole lot to us today, but it's called hermeneutics. And it's really just how to read something and get the author's meaning uh, out of it. And uh, everyone has a set of hermeneutics that they use in every reading that they do. And then so it's really just identifying what is my set of hermeneutics? Is it good? How do I improve my, my, my reading style with things? What would be like a synonym, a lay synonym to hermeneutics? Um, how to read and get the authors. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's like a single word. Interpretation? Um, um, I mean, yeah, single word. It would be kind of hard to come up with a single word. Yeah, it's 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 a combination of interpretation, translation, and... And I think understanding your own bias. Yeah, original yeah. intent and, yeah. and bias as yeah. well. And I, the, the first step to that is realizing that you have a bias. Right. Um, everyone has a bias. And so there's there's different things that we do with scripture. And so there's these two words, one's called exegete and the other is called eisegete. Um, and uh, exegete is pulling out the meaning from the text. Eisegete is putting your own meaning into the text. And so it's one of the biases that we have a lot of times is that we all have theology that we believe and we will often read scripture through that lens of the theology we already believe mm -hmm. and then use our theology to interpret scripture rather than use scripture to determine our theology. Mm -hmm. And so um, we can uh, take passages that talk about if say we're really into um, uh, the tribulation and the rapture and all these things. And if you believe those things, that's, that's fine. I'm not bagging on those things. Um, but it's easy to then find other passages of scripture and read those things into them when those perhaps maybe aren't there. Well, and I think too that that is another why mm -hmm. we read the Bible is that, uh, you know, I've heard people before say, well, my God wouldn't, or the God I believe in wouldn't, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think that we uh, oftentimes, without really reading scripture and reading the Bible well, we're in danger of worshiping an idol. We're in danger of mm -hmm. creating a God in our image rather than worshiping the God who created us in his. Yep. Totally. And I think also there are some churches, uh, some people that only want to focus on certain parts of the Bible, sure. the love portion, and not recognize the Lord is a jealous of, God. Of hippie Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want to see is the hippie Jesus. And it's like, you know what? He's a powerful Jesus. Yeah. Hey, you know, love wins, Bobby. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Rob Bell. Don't read that book. Don't go get that. Um, yeah. So why hermeneutics? So here's just a, a little sample for you. And herme hermeneutics uh, or just getting the intention of the author is all about um, – what's like knowing what you're reading essentially. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if, if you were reading a newspaper, let's say, and you read the title, uh, tigers devoured Royals, what would you think it was talking about? I if, mean, I don't know what that second word is. Devoured. No, I, the, I'm sorry. The third word. I, I would Royals. say they were like oh, Royals. Yeah. I, Royals. I heard groils. 
Oh, no, oh. no. Royals. Like, what the Sorry. heck is a groin? I'm thinking no, tigers, Prince William has been attacked by a, tiger. by a tiger. Yeah. And this yeah. has nothing to do with Tiger King, which is now trending on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, recommendation station. <laughs> yes. Watch Tiger King. It's um, fantastic. Oh. But so like if, if on the very front page of the newspaper in huge bold letters, it said tigers devour royals, you would think, oh, no, what happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I one would, of the sure. one of the princes or princesses mm-hmm. or whoever got attacked by a tiger or something. Correct. That's now, if think. it was in big bold print and it was in the sports section, you would think, "Oh, the baseball team, the Tigers, beat up on the Royals last night." That's right. And so this this kind of brings us to like one of our our main points is like knowing what we're reading in the context of what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, with that being said, there's these things called genre which we use in other uh, media. We talk about genre in music, for example. Country versus hip-hop versus... Rap, R&B. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> I like how rap three, and R&B. Yeah. <laughs> and I said hip-hop. I oh, said yeah. hip-hop, and then you said, yeah, rap and R&B. I'm like, is, are, you, are you expounding or is... <laughs> Uh, those are the only genres. <laughs> Bluegrass, <laughs> folk. Um, Taking us back to the 60s. Yeah. We're on full circle. Here. That's and right. so uh, different genres uh, produce different things. And so some of the major genres that are in scripture, uh, we have um, uh, narrative. We have uh, psalms, which are like songs or poems. We have proverbs, which are generally wise sayings. We have... Uh, um, parables uh his history history which are like kind of like the narratives uh we have law um we have prophecy we have uh epistles there's there's all different kinds of styles of writing and so it's important for us to know what we're reading when we're reading it and to kind of like show a, a sample of why that's important i like to talk about proverbs 22 6 um, and that passage of scripture says, raise up a child in the way he should go, and then he will not depart from it. Mm. And uh, this is uh, a story that really stuck with me from that seminary class. And the, my professor told me a story. He was a pastor for many years. He planted multiple churches on the uh, East Coast that all became mega churches. And um, he's written many books, many leather bound books. And uh, <laughs> does his house smell of rich, rich mahogany? mahogany. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but he was a, one of the smartest um, guys that I have met and um, just helped me understand the Bible in a new way and made the Bible, f- help the spirit make the Bible fresh for me again. And uh, Proverbs 22, 6, uh, I just said it, but there was a family in one of his uh, congregations that um, prayed this as like a prayer and declared it as like a promise of God uh, and they were a Christian family. They raised their son in the home, but their son later on in life left the faith, walked away from the faith. And for them, this proverb was a promise from God that if you raise a child in the way he should go, he won't depart from it. And so they were, they came to the conclusion that either God's a liar or the Bible's false or like there's all these, all these things that then pop into their minds because it didn't happen. And their problem was not, uh, their problem was they had bad hermeneutic. It wasn't bad parenting. It was bad hermeneutics. Yeah. They, they were reading a proverb, which is a generally wise saying it's true most of the time, but it's not a hundred percent true all the time. That's what a proverb is. It's a generally wise saying. Mm. And they were, they took this and they declared it and they prayed it and it didn't happen. And so, uh, they actually like ended up like leaving the church. They, and so, uh, there's, we can find ourselves in these situations where we mm-hmm. aren't understanding what the passage is really saying to us mm-hmm. because we're reading it in a different context than what it is. This wasn't something that Jesus said, like, this is always going to happen. This was a generally wise saying that probably King Solomon wrote down thousands of years ago. And so uh, that's just one of the ones that I like to say, like, it's important for us to realize what we're reading ahead of time. And so I think part of that is prayer ahead of time before we're reading scripture and then uh, another thing is is maybe do a little bit of research um, before you dig in. Uh, look up, if you're going to read Proverbs, just read a little bit about what Proverbs is and try to understand what it is um, because that kind of stuff creeps up on us. Well, I just wanted to say that um, for me, when Scott, um, you know, started seminary and um, first brought this whole concept home 
I'd never heard of hermeneutics before, but once he started sharing this in his, you know, like a message when you were pastoring at the church and, and it was just such a revelation to me, speaking of revelation, I was really taken aback by it all in a good way. But, um, I, I feel like almost everything that I had read up to that point, like that I had no clear understanding of what it is that I even read Mm. because I wasn't looking at the hermeneutics of it all. And I think, you know, like stories, and I don't know if you're going to get into the whole issue of the manger, which I think to me, that was the, if you could just share that, because I'm just not good about, you know, um, you putting out all the facts. Um, but that was the one that just like really hit home to me because I think about, um, just growing up and think about Christmas and, and, you know, you have your CEOs, your Christmas, Christmas, okay, easy for me to say Christmas, Easter only, um, attenders, attenders. And so you're kind of always hearing the same messages every Easter, every Christmas. Right. And of course at Christmas time, it's about Jesus in the manger and there's no room at the end. And, and so you have this visual or this like understanding or what you think the understanding is, um, I think is different than what really happened. And, and you shared with that mm-hmm. one, one Christmas. And I was just like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. So, uh, real quick before I jump into that there, there's kind of like five big, um, things that come up when we're talking about the issue of, of what does this passage mean? Um, and so genre is the biggest outer circle. Uh, and, uh, below that we have a big idea of thought and like the general like part of that passage then we have a theme would that be the um yeah so like um and we'll talk about this a little bit so luke chapter like 9 through 17 all happens in a six month span and it's all on this same journey and every single thing that jesus teaches in those like six seven eight chapters has a similar theme to them and so, like, it's the idea of a larger unit of thought. And then below that, we have the the main idea in, like, a smaller unit of thought, so maybe, like, a single parable. And then below that, we have, like, specifically, like, a sentence. And then below that, we have a word. And know that the issue of meaning flows from the largest to the smallest, not from the smallest to mm-hmm. the largest. Okay. And that's where I think a lot of people get mm-hmm. it wrong. They'll, they'll really yeah. focus in on one word and say, well, okay, well, that's what this is. And so then... And they start letting that give meaning to the outer stuff, but that's not how it works. The outer stuff gives meaning to the lower stuff. Um, Makes sense. And so, yeah, when we're talking about the the Christmas story, uh, this was an interesting one for me to to dig into. And this is really about the importance of a concordance. Um, if you don't know what a concordance is, it's basically a place for you to look up a word and see where else it's used in in scripture you can find these online yep. for free mm-hmm. free yep. free resources and a lot of times there's also concordances in the backs of bibles as well mm-hmm. right, right um and so when we're talking about dealing with a concordance uh there's also like a tier list of what are other good references um and so for example if you're using a concordance in new testament in one of paul's letters the best use of the concordance would be another use of that same word within the same book and then outside of that would be another one of Paul's writings. And then outside of that would be a different epistle maybe. And then outside of that would be anywhere else in scripture. And so like the closer you are to the author and the author's use within that context is going to be the best trying to get to the the point of, of that. Because word. there are like, there are words that you may say that you really have a meaning that's different than mm-hmm. what I mean. It's nuanced, it's subtle, but you may say, uh, like I, I say the word I'm stoked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that I have a certain meaning and I use that word the same way pretty much every time you hardly ever say the word stoked. And so mm-hmm. if you do, it's probably going to be ironic. Yeah. Like super stoked. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's going to be sarcastic. It, yep. You're using the word ironically. Mm-hmm. And so to, so to take your meaning and put it on mine, you might think I'm actually excited about something. That right. I'm not. Right. Right. And That's so it, really it's, good. it's important yeah. for you to see what, to, how does the author use this mm-hmm. if possible? Mm-hmm. And there are places where an author uses a word once and we don't have other references to their use of that mm-hmm. word. And so that's where we go to then other biblical authors and then other places in the Bible. Um, one of the things we use is called the Septuagint. 
which is the Greek Old Testament. Um, I'm sorry, that's not the Septuagint. Is it the Septuagint? Yeah, it's the Septuagint. Um, and uh, then even outside of that, we can go to extra biblical work from that time uh, mm. that just kind of helps us give what did this word mean at that time. What do you mean extra biblical work? So uh, old Greek uh, or Hebrew, if you're doing Old Testament, writings that aren't in the Bible from that mm. era. Okay. So, like, for example, um, we actually learn a lot about, um, we learn a lot about the uh, love, you know, we, we talk about that Greek word, or words, I should say, you know, agape and eros and all those different things. We learn a lot about those words, actually, from Plato, and how mm-hmm. he uses them and, and some of the ways okay. that he, and so, example. and so it, it's not biblical, but it was around the same time mm. and okay. understanding, well, this is how these other people are using it. In popularized and so we know, culture. In yes. popul- and so we know that the culture, probably everyone kind of had this general understanding, mm-hmm. okay. the same general. Which okay. brings us to another point. I know I still haven't gotten to the Christmas <laughs> thing yet, but, um, these writings were done in a very different culture in a very different time than what, where we're reading them. You're right. getting closer to the manger thing though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we have to try to do as much as we can learn the context, the culture, um, all the little nuances to try to help us have a better understanding mm-hmm. uh, of those things. Mm-hmm. And I want to also iterate the point of this, uh, of, of hermeneutic and the, uh, the point of this podcast isn't to make the Bible seem further away from attainable, but to make it seem very attainable. Mm. That this is something that's very doable. It's very easy. There are so many more resources now than there has ever been online. Uh, and if you go into your church or and talk to your pastor and say, hey. Uh, if you FaceTime your pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah FaceTime. These days, yes. Um, and say, hey, um, I heard this podcast talking about hermeneutics. And I want to learn a little bit more about that. I guarantee your, your pastor is going to be like, what the heck? Uh, yeah, let's excited, talk yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have a lot of resources in, in front of you. And so now getting to uh, the, the passage that my mom asked me to talk about. Uh, so we have the Luke passage uh, of uh, Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem during the census uh, to give birth uh, to Jesus. And so, uh, Caesar had ordered a census of his entire empire. And so Joseph was of the house of David. And so he had to go to Bethlehem. And uh, so David is, I'm sorry, not David. Joseph uh, is son of David. Yeah. Son of David. (laughs) Um, And Mary uh, are betrothed. I don't know if they're quite married yet at this point. And um, Mary is pregnant with baby Jesus. And we know the typical Christmas story is they go to Bethlehem. There's no room for them in the inn. And so they have to have this baby by themselves out in like a, a stable or a cave or whatever it is. And um, this has a few different problems with it that uh, we just don't talk about. And one of the biggest ones is that that might make sense in our westernized culture today. We're very individualistic, very not family oriented. This was a community and a place that was all about family. You would give up arm and leg to be there for your family, to help your family. If you didn't help your family, like you were worse than the worst sinner. And so it doesn't seem realistic. First of all, that they would travel to their home city. The nativity scene doesn't Mm -hmm. seem realistic where they go to Bethlehem because that's where his family is from. Mm -hmm. And he would be surrounded by all these people that are, fairly closely related to him then they would all say sorry no room go have a baby out in a stable (laughs) (laughs) and also it 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 bears uh noting that bethlehem around this time uh was less than a thousand people Mm -hmm. in this town so it's not like this is like oh it's not a well-traveled no they probably didn't have an inn no right it was probably just a bunch of houses Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so uh and the reason we get there is, so the word in in the Luke passage, there was no room for them in the inn, uh, is the Greek word kataluma. And uh, it's used in other places in scripture. And this is where we're talking about the concordance. And every other place it's used in the New Testament, it's not translated in. It's translated into guest room or upper room. 
And so like when Jesus had his last supper before he got arrested and crucified, the very, uh, the first communion, he had that in a Cataluma. Hmm. It was in the upper room. It was the guest room. Which is Which what is we're in right now. kind of what we're in right, right? now. We yeah. are kind of in a guest room right and now. And so um, it, it was always historically translated in, and we just it became like church um, tradition. Tradition, then that's what it was. But the, it's not a very accurate to what I, I see as a translation or interpretation of this passage. Now, we do have a different word. I don't remember what it is that is translated as in and is more accurate. And we find that in the parable of the Good Samaritan where uh, this guy finds this guy beat up on the road. He helps him out. He takes him to an inn and he pays the guy and says, take care of this man. And then when I come back, I'll pay for whatever else. And it's a different word. And so there are different words for these things. And so uh, it's like, okay, well, what does it mean then? There was no room in the upper room. And okay, let's look at the context. Okay, now we can look at some of the archaeological things about... um, this area, this time, what what did houses look like? And we find that the most of these houses are two story houses with an upper room, and they within them have a uh, a stable area, a place for the animals to come in at night, and feeding troughs. And then there's like a main family area below, and then there's the guest room, which is uh, up above. And so here's here's what I'm saying is probably what happened on that night is um, Joseph and Mary go to their house uh, of their family. There was already other family in the upper room. Grandma was up in the upper room. Mm -hmm. And so there was no room there, but they decided, okay, we'll make space for them here in this other area where the animals normally stay. But they're probably with their family. I would guess they're probably with them for a while. It's not like they showed up the night of the pregnancy. I would (laughs) guess they've been there for weeks probably just hanging out with family and then one night she goes into labor, but um, she's surrounded by her family, uh, or at least her husband, her her, her, her husband and her husband's yeah. family. Yeah, and uh, they give birth in a house that belongs to their family, and baby Jesus is laid in one of the feeding troughs as like his crib. Mm-hmm. But it was it's a very different story it's than. Showed up the night she was given birth, no room in the inn. Right. And all of a sudden she plopped one out in a cave. <laughs> in right. a cave with animals all around. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then some, uh, magicians show up. Yeah. The same night. That same night. Which is not the case. Like when we talk about <laughs> the people visiting, like that happened over the course of years. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's actually something that I learned even more recently, like in terms of that time span, because you're thinking this is all happening, say, within a 24 hour period uh-huh. and it's happening over it's years. because Little Drummer Boy wrecked it for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I think I, the reason I like this um, example. story yeah. or example is because virtually everyone knows the Christmas story, even, you know, whether you're a believer or not. You, yeah used to have it in school, even, I mean, not so much anymore, but, um, you know, that's why I like this example because it's when you go to the hermeneutics of it, you see the context. When you look at all of that information about what was going on at the time, what was realistic, um, that it's a very different story than has been painted my entire life. And so it really was a revelation when Scott shared that. Yeah, And um, so I think that's just really important because as we read the Bible, um, you really, I mean, to me, I think it's best. I mean, I ask Scott, I ask Brian, I'll ask Pastor, I'll ask Tyler, I'll ask whomever I believe is really rooted in the word and, and knows it very well. Like what is going on when I'm reading a passage to try to understand and, and I'll, you know, look in my well, and that's, um, that's a big point, too, when it comes to hermeneutics. And this is another westernized problem that we have, is we're very individualistic and we do things ourselves. Scripture, when it was originally written, was written mostly as letters and stories that were told to the masses. Mm-hmm. And so scripture reading, scripture intake, was always a group affair. It mm-hmm. wasn't something that was meant to be done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 vital, especially if you're finding yourself struggling to understand a passage, to bring other people into it, especially people that probably do have an understanding of that passage. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we do at our church um, 
is you know, we have a community group. And so we always encourage everyone to join a community group because what we do is dissect or, or dissect isn't really the right word. It's just to go deeper, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the Sunday message. And so the following week, and we have discussion questions that's provided by the church. And, um, so now we're doing that on zoom. And, um, so we go over all those questions and we talk about the message. And again, so we're, we're learning this together and it's great to have everybody's input on that. So reading it yourself to me, yeah, I think that's insufficient. I'm not saying to not read, but you're going to have questions and you need to know where to go Mm -hmm. to get the answers to those questions and, and be careful when you're just Googling because you don't know. I mean, you've got to make sure you trust that site where you're getting that information, Mm There's good resources and yes. there's bad resources. Right, yeah. right. At the at the end of this episode, we will uh, list a couple of good trustworthy resources that we trust and and believe in sure. that you can use as right. like a um, as like a starting point. Um, but yeah, I I think that uh, another big problem and, and that you are kind of exposing with this manger story. Uh, so for all of you listening out there, your nativity scenes at home. <laughs> Totally not accurate, not biblically accurate, (laughs) theologically, biblically, historically inaccurate. Um, I resemble that remark. (laughs) (laughs) But what we, I think one of the things that, uh, especially if you've been in the faith for a long time, I think one of the things that we struggle with is we struggle with uh, dismissing things, dismissing reading things that uh, we have already built up. Uh, we know a this. false memory mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so like uh, I have a thought experiment for that for you. Um, Noah builds the ark and uh, you know, God commands him to do it, tells him there's going to be a flood and uh, you know, build this ark with your family. Animals are, are about to come two by two. What are all the other people doing? In uh, my recollection, you know, I, I reread this story not too long ago. In my recollection, all the other people were ridiculing Noah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Because it had never rained before. Right. That's not in the Bible. Hmm. There's no mention of other people ridiculing Noah. There's no mention of other people. And, uh, in this whole interaction. And so in our heads, we heard this story as kids over the years and, and little things like that were interjected or that we just assumed. And then we never go back with fresh eyes and reread Mm. these things. And we end up building like, you know, that's kind of a fun, funny example, but we end up building these like false uh, theologies things, yeah. because we fill things in because we're we're not going back and rereading scripture or or re listening to uh you know a, a, listening to a sermon that's about a passage that we know well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times you know you hear a sermon and it's like oh, I've heard this before and you just kind of tune out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but you might not have heard it. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, right. there's a case too where there's like some major popularized passages that are, have been taught so often out of context that most people believe them out of context, but that's not what they really mean. Uh, one of which being Philippians uh, 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, that's not saying that through the power of Christ you can be Spider-Man and walk on walls um, <laughs> or that you can do or, all kinds of crazy things. Or even that you can uh, get a raise at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the context, if we if we read around that passage, Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's writing from a place in prison and he has a huge lack of things that he needs. And he's saying that through Jesus, he can make it through this time of not having what he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we talk about this passage and it's used so often in like sports. Like sports, I yeah. can I can endure... Uh, all these things, which is probably actually closer to like endurance through pain is similar to what it's talking about. But um, it's not about being able to accomplish all your goals and dreams. It's about being able to, even in the midst of dark and hard times, persevere, persevere and have joy. Like yeah. the hugest theme of Philippians is joy. Right. And it's about 
being able to persevere and have joy even in the difficulties of life because of Jesus in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so like we just use passages all the time. Another one I just thought of is the Matthew 24, 25 or 28. Maybe it's 26, 27 too. It's one of those, (laughs) one of those five chapters, Uh, but it's the, it's the passage. And when I say you guys will uh, recognize it, it's when where two or three are gathered Mm -hmm. um, in my name, in my name and ask, it will be given to them. And we uh, often think like, oh yeah. So like if we pray together with at least three people, (laughs) it's going to be done for us. And there's 10 man, it's even going to be better. And it's like, do you really think that God hears your prayer differently because there's an extra person in the room? Like God hears everything. He knows everything. He hears your prayers uh, when it's just you. Is there more power when there's multiple people in the room? Like if the three, if the three of us right now doing this podcast, pray for me to get a Ferrari, like, is that going to (laughs) happen? Well, and I think what, because the passage is, uh, if two or three, or if two, three or more are gathered in my name, there I will be also. Mm-hmm. And and it's this ask, assumption. And then it says, ask whatever you want yeah. and it will be done for Right. You. But I think there's this assumption that like, oh, God uh, like is only present with us. With multiples. Within, yeah. yeah, when we're in a group. And certainly we need to, as Paul says, not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But that doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with no God's extra presence, presence yeah. because there's multiple <laughs> people. And, and really, when we look at the entire surrounding passage, he's specifically talking about uh, discipline yeah. and discipline within, um, he's actually expounding on Old Testament ideas, which is often what Jesus is doing. Mm. There's references in this, in this passage to uh, passages from Deuteronomy and to passages from Leviticus uh, of just how to approach someone who has done something wrong. And so uh, it's when someone sins against you, you first come to them face to face, just the two of you and see if you can reconcile. And that's a reference to something from uh, Deuteronomy. And then after that, you bring a couple other witnesses and that's something to uh, Leviticus where it says um, you can't uh, try someone for something without multiple witnesses. Like Jesus is expanding on old Testament ideas and applying them to, to life now. And so what he's saying is when there are two or three or more gathered together there, I am in it too. What Jesus is saying is, is there's safety in numbers when it comes to accusing someone of something. And if there are multiple, multiple people who are, who are coming to another brother and saying like, Hey, you have sin in your life. You need to deal with it. Jesus is saying when you bring two or three more together in that, I will be in that situation with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right before that, he says, whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever is done on earth will be done in heaven. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to like church discipline, when it comes to making these decisions on earth for towards like correcting, rebuking all these things, if there are three or more people that have come to this decision that have been praying through this process and have been seeking First of all, the main point of this whole passage is that reconciliation is more important than uh, than disconnection. Um, but that have been seeking reconciliation with this person, if they come to a decision on a disciplinary action, not only is Jesus there with them in it, but He is going to back it. Like if if we as a church make a decision on something, that's what loose on earth, loose in heaven means. Is that Jesus saying, "I got your back. You guys decided that, and I'm following it up." And so there's power and authority in the decisions of church leadership when they pray and seek reconciliation on things. Which is, you know, building on uh, another Old Testament principle of that uh, that uh, God honors the, the word, word of, of his, his prophets. prophets. Yeah. That, uh, you know, a lot of times we see in Scripture and we read in Scripture that, you know, prophets did something and we assume sometimes that it was always like God just spoke to them verbally and they, they said or did something. Uh, but that wasn't always the case. Sometimes it was the prophet says something and then God shows up and they're like, all right, this is what we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Elijah says fire and God says, all right, he's my guy. He's my prophet. And he, he backs up the word of his prophet. Well, I'm just learning so much more today. (laughs) I tell you, I'm definitely the novice one here. Um, you know, when I, when you were talking earlier, I was just thinking about how sometimes when we pray, um, you know, I hear this from so many people, you know, they're not really 
praying for the Lord's will. Mm -hmm. They're praying. It's almost like he's a vending machine. Like they want this, they want that. And they can just put their order in. And hey, if there's several people, if there's two or three people praying for the same thing, that it's definitely going to happen. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. And this kind of even ties in with what we were talking about last episode with self-control is Mm -hmm. sometimes we pray to God like a vending machine, even with good things. Mm -hmm. Totally. Like God, give me peace. Give me self-control. Give me these things. We don't ask for his presence, Mm -hmm. but we ask for the things that he can give us. So good. And so tying back with that Mm -hmm. once again. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. So we've uh, we've learned why read the Bible. Uh, it's because number one, it's how we get to know God. It's how we right. encounter uh, and we understand better who He is and who we are. Um, we've talked a little bit about uh, how to read the Bible better uh, using some of these principles of of hermeneutics and and uh, also. Uh, by bringing other people into that, mm-hmm. by not just you know just going into some closet and reading a Bible and never like talking to anyone about it, it was uh, designed to be a communal experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, know that none of these things that I've talked about today were things I've come up with by myself. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> these are all things that I've had communication and conversation about with other people who are far more knowledgeable than I am. Right, and I've said, help me understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've included me in that. And so this is kind of us doing that with you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so bring other people into it. Understand that you have a hermeneutic and that it might not be a great one. And so you need to think about when you're reading the Bible, uh, what the context is, mm-hmm. what the author's really trying to say, uh, and what the the larger the larger point is before you look at the smaller point. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we've gotten that. Uh, what are, uh, what should we expect to get out of our Bible reading? Yeah. Uh, my hope is, is that it's, it's a couple things. One, you start to get a closer idea of what the author's intent was in writing these, these passages of scripture. And then from those intentions, still making it personal and applying it to your life. It's, it's important for us to, because uh, sometimes people will look at this and say, okay, I can just use hermeneutics and come to an original, this is what the author meant, and then stop there and think that they're fine because they now read the the Bible accurately. But the point isn't for accurate, uh, just accurate uh, reading of the Bible. It's for accuracy so that we can properly then take the truths of that and apply them to our life. And I think, um, so again, what I get out of this is just the importance of one, you know, staying in the word, reading the word, but again, doing that communally, just like you were saying, Tyler, it's important to, to share and talk with others about what you've read, um, to make sure that you are clear because we don't all see things the same. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think about politically, you have a hundred people in a room and you got 50 people going one way, 50 people going another way. And, you know, objectively, the same words were said, but we all see things differently, right? So, And it's important to note, too, a lot of people can listen to this and think, man, this is so complicated. Right. How am I ever possibly going to understand this? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. God is the author of language. He is the greatest communicator. And he has chosen to communicate with us in these ways because these are ways that we can understand. He didn't just write a textbook to us. Mm-hmm. He wrote to us in story. He wrote to us in poetry. He wrote to us in songs. He wrote to us in wisdom literature. He wrote to us in moving and emotional ways because these are ways that we can deeply connect with him. And so uh, the Bible, and this is one of my hopes for for people as they, they hear this and maybe read the Bible a little bit differently, is that this is a wonderful masterpiece of literature that we can go to with new eyes and new hearts, trying to discover the truths that God has written to us in a different language, multiple different languages, thousands of years ago. And yet we come to these discovery of these new truths and they have such intimate and important um, meanings for us today and and speak into our lives today. Well, I think kind of going full circle to our episode from last week, um, if we're praying for the Holy spirit, for his guidance, we need to do that each and every time we're reading the word because we need him to reveal himself 
to mm. us as we read that scripture mm-hmm. so that we aren't taking things out of context. And I think if you're relying on the Holy Spirit, you are going to get the right interpretation, even without all of these external sources. I would still One include would I would still include people with it. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I'm yeah. just saying that if you're in a situation where perhaps you don't have that opportunity, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't mean don't read it. But you know what? Also take notes. Take notes and go back and ask those questions mm-hmm. because as you're reading and studying, take notes. Write down questions that you may have so that you can go back and follow up. Yeah. And try not to hold such a tight. That's one of the biggest things yeah, I learned sure. through seminary is don't hold all of the things you believe so tightly because chances are you're wrong on uh, multiple things. Well, like I said before, it was such a revelation to me to learn about the Christmas story and it was just not what I had understood. And that's why I really wanted to use that as an example today. Um, You know, I, I think I have done that. I think I have held on to concepts and thoughts from, my upbringing and again also think about how you instruct children is different than you instruct adults and i think when you have like christmas easter you know it's more family oriented services even if you're in a church where you generally separate the children from the adults um, but usually at christmas time you have more general um, attendance and so it's kind of um, maybe watered down somewhat generally, you know, in terms of not being, um, mm-hmm. you know, something that everyone can understand. And so um, I think there's a risk to that if we just hold on to that, yeah. you know, um, without really understanding. Yeah. And know that this was just like a scratch of the surface for, for her- hermeneutics and just passages uh, of scripture that maybe are a little bit different than maybe you would have heard. And so, if this was an episode that you liked or, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that I still didn't even talk about. We didn't talk about parables. We didn't talk about a lot of the Old Testament things. Um, if there's, if you would want more of this, send us an email and let us yeah, know. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, you can do that at hello at uh, realworldpodcast.com. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. Um, before uh, before we get out of here, this has been our, our longest episode so far by a lot. Uh, wow, so we got to wrap up. I didn't up. even realize that. Yeah. Because uh, I love talking about it, you know, because oh, yeah. I'm in such a learning mode all the time. Oh, sure. You know, so, Well, if you want to learn more, uh, I have three resources that I want to uh, put out there for you. Uh, the first is uh, really accessible to everyone. It's called BibleProject.com, uh, and they have some really fantastic videos uh, that really just walk you through a lot of what Scott was uh, explaining to us about historical context and about uh, some of the big themes of uh, certain authors and the things that were important to them and the the world that they lived in at the time. So BibleProject.com is very accessible for everyone, uh, and I just so strongly recommend it. Uh, the uh, co-founders, uh, one of them is a, a PhD in uh, Semitic literature, which is, you know, Jewish uh, writings. Uh, and then the other one, uh, he, he went to, you know, a Christian university, but he just has a bachelor's degree, but he's a storyteller. And so they do such a great job together, really uh, unlocking some of the the big picture of the Bible. Uh, the second resource that I want to offer uh, are, are, well, not offer, it's not like we have some, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. but uh, to highlight is blueletterbible.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Letter Bible is a fantastic resource that will allow you to, spe- you know, if you put in a specific verse or verses, uh, it will give you free resources uh, like commentaries, uh, you know, concordances, uh, you know, cross references where it's like, oh, well, this uh, this passage of scripture is actually closely related to this other passage of, passage of scripture. Uh, so Blue Letter Bible is a great resource for specific, uh, you know, passages of scripture that you might be reading. And then the third resource that I want to highlight is called Logos, L-O-G-O-S dot com. And this, is, I would say, is a little bit more advanced. Um, if you uh, fancy yourself a, an amateur biblical scholar, uh, download the Logos app on your iPad. <clears throat> they have a, a huge uh, library, massive mm-hmm. library that you can pay 
uh, to have access to on your computer. Um, but they also have a free version on their iPad app. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have, uh, I believe they have an Android app as well. Um, you can download quite a few free resources that will help you uh, to read more, to read better, and to, uh, to understand what the Bible's really saying. So I just wanted to say what kind of just came to me right now as we were, you know, this podcast was created as kind of the perspective between a boomer and a millennial and um, just kind of how like we see life differently, how we live life differently, how we think differently. And a lot of that is based upon when we were born and when we were brought up. So I think that kind of also helps to provide clarity to to the importance of hermeneutics that... um, you know, as we talked, you know, the genre, the, you know, the, the context and everything is based up. We, we need to go back to, yeah. to that time period when yeah. it was written and to understand mm-hmm. what it was all about. And so again, the millennial versus boomer, you know, you can kind of see that as, um, as to why we do think differently on some things mm-hmm. because we do have those different contexts. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just a couple other, uh, easy ones. Um, if you're just looking for a passage of scripture about a certain topic, um, there's a, a great uh, easy resource. It's called openbible.info, and it's just a topical source. Uh, it has the alphabet above. You click on it, and there's literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different words you can click on, and it'll try to pull up all the various uh, passages that involve that word or that speak to that thing. Um, things that aren't even like written in the Bible, like you can talk about... Um, I mean, any anything you can think of, it's probably on there. It's a great resource. I use it all the time when I'm like, man, what was that one passage about that one thing? And I'll just go there, click on it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, that's where it's found. And so it helps me find things really quickly. Uh, another uh, great one is BibleHub.com. Um, I use that one a lot for, like, reading um, – interlinear, which is, um, so this would once again be for more advanced, but if I'm looking for cross references and different things, I can read the English and then either the Greek or the Hebrew below. And then I can like click on those and it'll give me how many times it's used, where else it's used, other references, that kind of stuff is great. And then just an easy, simple one, biblegateway.com just to read whatever version you want, Mm -hmm. which brings me to just my final point. What, what version of the Bible should you read? And, uh, I said this in our last episode, whichever version of the Bible you will read is the one you should read. (laughs) And so, uh, pick up a Bible, start reading it and it'll be great. Uh, great advice. All great advice. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we hope that this was, uh, something that was, uh, meaningful and impactful, uh, in your faith and in your, your daily life. And, uh, Scott, Bobby, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for us and Ty. Love you. Love, Love you too. too.